Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson, joined, of course, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And today is Literature Wednesday. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about and get through, and uh, it's going to be a fun, lighthearted, joyful episode, because that's exactly what we're talking about, is fun lightheartedness joy uh with a little bit of theology just like with that yeah see that kind of worked right um yeah 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 thanks uh a little bit of theology sprinkled in haha i lied it's basically all theology but it's not dense i promise you're not gonna feel like you're eating through one of those heavy sponge cakes that have just been soaked in mud or something it's it's not dense it's a or <laughs> chocolate mud not bad mud but but a lot i don't well, know tiram- tiramisu is like it's angel food cake which is like a sponge cake as you're saying but right. soaked in coffee Oops. um that's a lot yeah see that was what yeah. that's what i was thinking immediately my stomach goes please no that will kill me so actually it's this, really good this, if anybody well, has had tiramisu it might it taste really good. good but you're gonna hate yourself in about an hour <laughs> and uh that's not what this episode is in terms of theology so don't panic it's not going to be that dense it's not tiramisu coffee sponge cake that's not what this is so um today we're going through uh chapter six in angels in the architecture by douglas wilson and douglas jones and oh by the way since last week we actually we've figured out how to read uh just kidding we we learned how to tell who wrote which chapter um it's actually in the beginning of the book and we just stupidly glazed over it for five weeks straight um so now we do know that this chapter was written by douglas wilson um so there we go makes sense (laughs) um so just figured we get that this is a doug wilson chapter for sure it really is it definitely has his style to it yeah Mm -hmm. so um we're getting into all of that we're going to be talking about christians who truly understand their bibles will live life with laughter and joy uh but not a foolish kind of joy we're going to get into some details around the particular kind of joy we're talking about and what better way to do that than give some biblical examples of that so we'll be breaking some of those down in addition to talking about the doctrine of predestination and talking about how if that doctrine is properly understood that will bring you joy and um people that claim that it's it doesn't bring joy it's uh damnation and how could an all-loving god uh do this to people um don't actually understand the doctrine of predestination so we're going to talk about that a little bit as well but like i said don't panic don't panic it won't be a theological sponge cake full of tiramisu i don't think i used that properly at all but just don't say anything and so okay you said something all right well (laughs) 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 so i'd like to pretend that i know what i'm talking about when it comes to food for like two (laughs) seconds and mm. then you can burst my mm. bubble. Um, well, our Friday episode, which we're going to talk about a little bit at the end of this episode, is coming up, and Jake gets to really geek out over food. So mm-hmm. stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. Please so. stay tuned for that one. Please. <laughs> that, one, yeah. that one. Well, that one's going to be fun for me. I don't know if it's going to be fun for everybody else, though. Um, Why would you say that? Now they're not going to watch it. What was no, well, no, still watch it. Just just in case. <laughs> <laughs> still watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it will be fun for everyone involved. 
<clears throat> it's like will be eye-opening for the people that don't know about the culinary industry. Uh, if people mm. want to learn more about restaurants, then yeah, for sure, you should definitely Sweet. watch it. And yeah. understand what's going yeah. on in, in Jacob, restaurants. Jacob was talking about it, and he's like, yeah, I don't think that this is going to be interesting for people who aren't, aren't in the culinary industry. And I'm like, dude, this is totally going to be interesting for anybody. Like, doesn't matter whether you're in the culinary industry or not. I think he likes to undersell the interest that we have in food. It's food. It's food. I mean, I love food, and I'm not even remotely close to being a chef. So, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be talking universal. about on Friday, kind of the people who make your food. Um, I'm just going to be talking about those people. I'm not going to be talking yeah. about food specifically, but the people who make your food and and sort of the spoiler alert: of it. they aren't yeah. fantastic. They aren't fantastic people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. All right, so. Let's get into this, but before we do, we have to do what we always do. How many times can I use that word? We have to talk about our verse of the week and Wednesday, Let's of course. Do it. Means Jake does that, so you know, just do do your do your thing, Jake. Take it away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> in uh, in this week, we have Psalms forty six verses eight through eleven, and it says, "Sorry, is it is it Psalms or is it Psalm?" <laughs> psalm oh well it would be psalms because we're talking about several verses these Except are it's one psalm and these are the verses psalm. under that psalm that's how i've always thought about it i'm literally asking okay. this because i always say psalm if i'm talking about one but if i'm talking about like the whole collection of psalms psalm then i'll use okay, the plural the i see yeah is it like a plural singular thing i'm purely mm. wondering because i might be using it wrong too but yeah, I'm, I'm most likely <laughs> well, one, the one using it wrong, and you're the one. We're gonna say it correctly. wrong. We we both have to say it wrong together, together, um, yeah. and be unified in our wrongness on that front. So I'll just follow you because it's more likely that you're correct on this. <laughs> that you might regret that in a few months. <laughs> we get an email. Yep. Yeah, by the way, it's <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Sorry. Go go ahead, Jake. <laughs> so we are reading Psalm. 46 verses 8 through 11 and it says come behold the works of the lord how he has brought desolation on the earth uh he makes wars cease to the end of the earth he breaks the bow and shatters the spear he burns the chariots with fire be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the nations i will be exalted in the earth the lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Hmm. Um, and I think Bruce, you didn't go over that that last word there, did you? Uh, I didn't talk about it, but what I do know is, don't go to Christianity.com mm, to look mm. for what this is. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking in in the pre-show yesterday, not yesterday <laughs> on Monday, about that. Uh, if you like yeah, heresy. Christianity.com is is your place to go. Check them out, guys, because they literally flat out said it's a ver it's a word that we don't really know what it means. Um, so you're okay to just leave it out and gloss just over it, it. Yeah. Um, and you won't lose the meaning of the passage. And I'm just like, I'm so. What did you just say? What did you just say? Passage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't uh, heresy. <laughs> But Ugh. I want to point out in this, it's very, I don't, um, this is very um, optimistic. 
I would say. No way. Uh, as a lot, a lot of of the Psalms are. Uh, Again, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this one is saying, God is saying, be still and know that I am God. I will be, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He will be. It's not, I might be, or uh, I never will be, or, or the earth is going to be destroyed before I ever can be, or, uh, or uh, Russia is the, is the, no, I'm going into some weirdness over there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but um this is very very optimistic to say that god will be exalted this will happen and i think the another important thing is god says god is sort of saying this we will have the victory he will be exalted christians will exalt his name among the earth his 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 name will be exalted in the earth meaning that people are Christians exalting in his name. And even so, I think there are some interpretations to say that even the unbelievers will exalt his name. Um, I think there is there is a case for that. But um, Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and it also says right after that, the Lord of hosts is with us. And in this, I kind of want to go back to Psalm 1. And in Psalm 1, we have in in uh, verse 4, it says, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And and it continues on talking about the wicked will perish. The the wicked cannot stand in the congregation of, of the righteous. Um, and so very much so in, in kind of my notes on that verse on Psalm 1, is kind of like why why as Christians are we afraid of the wicked then? Why why do we fear this the government? Why do we fear standing up for what is true, what is right, thinking that we will oh no, there will be attacks on us. People will people will uh get on the internet and talk all these things at us. Uh, horrible. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. John John Brennan is terrified of that by the way. Mm, he mm. just can't can't say anything yeah but um you know why why are we afraid of pig food the chaff is like is pig food the the chaff is what is given to pigs to eat why are we afraid of pig food if the wicked are like chaff then why are we afraid of pig food yep um why why are we why are we just afraid sitting at our desks not doing anything why why are we just sitting in our chairs uh saying oh god it it'll all get worse god will come back um as soon as everything gets destroyed even though it says god's name will be exalted in all the earth yeah we can't do anything so all nice right. And with that, let's delve into our chapter for today. With all that doom and gloom, let's talk about a little bit of joy. Um, which actually was what that whole verse was about. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I turned it doom and gloom, but yes. Yeah, well, 
I think you made it pretty joyful, but <laughs> other people want to take it as very much doom and gloom. So, um, Christians who truly understand their Bibles will live life with laughter and joy. That's kind of what this whole chapter was was driving at this this whole way through. And again, if if this is your first time listening to a Literature Wednesday episode, um, we don't we don't um, copy and paste the entire uh, document of this chapter on screen for you to read. And we are not the Canon Plus audiobook for this chapter mm-hmm. or any chapters in any books we read on the show, uh, because that would be wrong. <laughs> uh, but also, we want you to go and read it for yourself. So you'll be you'll be hearing a quick 30-minute overview from us, but that is not at all the entire chapter. That's only parts of the chapter and a little bit of our commentary on those parts. So It's just that, an overview. Not not the actual chapter. Not the actual chapter, right. Page 69, the book said, Jesus taught us that doctrine or teaching is to be evaluated by the kind of fruit it produces. Laughter and gladness are where joy, contentment, and gratitude overflow. But in an odd turn, these things uh, proceed from an understanding of the truths of man's utter depravity and the salvation of the Lord, end quote. So that's, that's pretty obvious which is that strange dichotomy of our understanding of our own total depravity. Um, All of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags before God. Our understanding of that actually deepens our joy and our salvation and what Christ is able to accomplish through us on this earth. Um, It's simply astounding what is uh, done through the work of Christ. So that should deepen our joy. And as we're going to go on, and discuss today a little bit. If you don't really understand those things, you won't have that kind of joy. Um, And it will show, just like here, how the book is talking about that Jesus taught us that doctrine or teaching is to be evaluated by the kind of fruit it produces. Um, The book goes on to further talk about what that fruit should look like. Page 78, Doug Wilson said, a Christianity which understands the covenants of promise is a faith that will be filled to overflowing with joy and laughter, music and dancing, end quote. Um, And so I I think this is really good, too. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about the regulative principle and talking about singing the Psalms um, in a minute. Um, And I think this is really important to remember as well, that our worship to God should be filled with uh, joy and laughter and music and um, not somber sadness and um, there's certainly a time for that. Um, I really appreciate liturgy that has a confession of sins, which I think is wonderful. There's certainly a time for that, but we also have to remember that we've been saved from those sins. We come out of that and now we can get to work. So we get to work with joy. We work on our sanctification with joy. We work in the world with joy. We work on the kingdom of God with joy. All of those things are done with joy and laughter um, and the true kind of joy and laughter. Moving on to page 72, this is probably one of my absolute favorite quotes, a little bit of a longer quote, but I think it's really good. Um, Doug Wilson said, the truth of the gospel leads inexorably to laughter. Those who want to glower as they cling to truth want something that can never be. Whatever it is they have in their hands, 
It must not be the truth, unless it is perhaps just a fragment of it. The dour Calvinist, the cranky Sabbatarian, and the pious self-loather are all uh, textbook head cases. We see them in scripture, we see them in our literature, and sometimes we see them out on their front porch on Sabbath afternoons glaring at the bicyclists. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) So, yeah, and I think we can all uh, recognize those sorts of people. Um, who give us Calvinists a bad name <laughs> because yeah. they don't truly understand the doctrines they claim to represent. Uh, Sabbatarians, unfortunately, largely have the same day. Like the, uh, I think it's uh, Mother Kirk, Doug Wilson says in that book, um, Sabbatarians do their favorite day little favors. <laughs> uh, if Sunday is supposed to be their favorite day, the day they take most seriously, they think is the most important, then why the heck does it seem like they hate it so darn much? Mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday yeah. is supposed to be a celebration. It's supposed to be a day of happiness, of rest, of excitement, of preparing for the week ahead. Um, but they turn it into, oh, you you can't do anything but stay, put your nose in a book and spend the entire day there. You can't go out to eat. You can't do anything. You can't even ride your bikes. How dare you even think about riding your bikes on the Sabbath? And we're supposed to pretend like these people love the Sabbath. No, they hate the <laughs> Sabbath. Um, it's like the people who claim to love God's law so much that they have to add to it. Well, that just means it's not good enough for you. Mm-hmm. You think you have to add to it. You have to add new things that aren't there. That's called legalism, and it's a hatred of God's law. So um, continuing this thought about joy, the chapter spent a lot of time talking about the the foolishness of the wrong kind of joy. Page 70, Douglas Wilson said, we are not looking to the laugh track, that great comedic cattle prod as some sort of moral compass for the desperate. But how could a rejection of the counterfeit be taken as hatred of the real? We do not turn away from a self-willed laughter to a self-willed gloom, end quote. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there's all sorts of foolish uh, kinds of, um, of joy and laughter. So we turn away from those. We turn away from vain laughter and, and empty uh, chortling and, and just fools, right? But what is it we turn to? Do we turn to the, the self-righteous piety that folded steepled hands and the, the proper, you know, posture and books on the head and all that garbage where it's just total, like, stuffiness? Mm-hmm. No, we turn to life more in the way that the Puritans did. Um, a joyful life, a life that C.S. Lewis called too glad to be true, right? It's this exciting life full of joy and laughter and um, parties and reading books and sharing stories with smiles and being excited about the stories that are being told and singing loudly and singing fast songs and singing with excitement, uh, all of that, as opposed to uh, what so many people, unfortunately, and accurately called today the frozen chosen (laughs) um it's really sad that so many churches that do have pretty fairly solid doctrine on a lot of things treat the worship service as if it's something they just they have to do they don't enjoy it they do it with uh sincerity but it's so glum they've literally sapped all the joy out of it and what's happened there is Uh, The charismatic movement was a pendulum swing from that charismatic Mm, movement, the um, non-denominational dispensational movement, all of that indirectly 
was a result of the frozen chosen thing where we sapped the joy out of our worship services, where we sapped the joy out of our worshiping God. Now that doesn't mean we should be flippant about it. We shouldn't pendulum swing like the charismatics do. We are worshiping a God who is a consuming fire and we need to be reverent, but he has commanded us in that reverence to be joyful. And we need to remember that. Yes, it's hard sometimes to keep that balance. We tend to go one way or the other, but we need to keep that balance. We need to work at that. That's that's something we're commanded to do by God. We need to take that seriously. Um, so, Jake, anything you wanted to add or just say really quickly comment before I move on to next two segments? No, we can move on. We can move on. I'll, okay. I'll let things keep rolling. I'll, okay. <laughs> cool. I'll stop the movement here. <laughs> All right. You got it. You got it. Um, so the, the book gave several examples of biblical joy. So biblical examples of true joy that we can emulate, which is always good. If there's examples in scripture, we should read those and seek to emulate them if they're good examples, right? I mean, we're not going to go around emulating Judas, <laughs> but we certainly have examples uh, that we are supposed to emulate. Um, so let's talk about some of those. On page 70, um, Doug Wilson said, the apostle tells us that Jesus went to the cross because of the joy that was set before him. Christ endured the cross while looking toward the joy on the other side of his passion. And when Christ rose from the dead, his followers were overwhelmed by their own joy, end quote. Um, and it goes on to talk so much more about all those different accounts and um, what was there. So check out page 70 if you're looking for more examples uh, on that front and what that looked well, like. Um, why, you know, you have to ask, why would everybody feel so much joy? Why why would it all be joyful when when the earth is just going to apparently die and dis be destroyed? You know, why why if it's all, if Christ going to the cross... Uh, being joyful of of looking to the other side on what what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Why would he be joyful if the earth is just going to apparently be destroyed? You know, right? Well, and this is a point that I I bring up so often. Um, in I get into a lot of debates with people. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a problem. Um, but I end up debating premillennialists a lot of times, and uh, one of the things that I constantly have to bring up as a reminder is that human nature unfortunately tends towards pessimism uh, we tend towards depression we tend towards pessimism um, and that's not a fact that god overlooked look at the new testament writers paul um, uh, peter look at all of the the letters that we have what are they constantly saying over and over and over and over and over again if you could get a word count on be joyful be of good cheer um, don't be depressed, <laughs> you know, like, constantly having to remind these people to not be so depressed because they tended towards that, especially in the, in the early church, especially today. Um, and what's unfortunate is that I think a lot of premillennial eschatology has developed. Yeah, it's developed ar around examining scripture and I think examining it incorrectly, but also justifying that tendency towards depression and pessimism that we have to be reminded to steer clear of because it's so easy for us to fall into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. But, um, you know, you just think of the, the, it brings you so much joy when seeing that the battle is won, the battle is, you know, is complete. We're just, you know, cleaning up. 
We're just mm. in the mopping up exercises, as Doug Wilson yeah. says. You know, yep. that should bring you joy to know that it's complete. It's finished. Yeah. We just have to continue going. We mm. and, and we will win. We everything that we do will ultimately go towards will will work towards that overall goal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So just a final example of um, reacting in joy. And this is an account we know is not actually a positive uh, representation of that until a little bit later. But on um, page 71, Doug Wilson said, when Isaac was first promised to Abraham, consider his response. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, Genesis 17, 17. And in the next chapter, Sarah does the same thing, Genesis 18, 13 through 15. But for the laughter of disbelief, God substitutes another kind. When the child comes, God insists he be named Isaac, which means he laughs, Genesis 17, 19. The child of promise is a child, uh, is a promise of laughter, end quote. Yeah thought that was a really cool observation. Um, good reminder there. All right. So we've got five minutes left and we're going to spend it talking about the doctrine of predestination. That's right. You're tuning into a show called the Reformed Dissenters. You had to see this coming. The doctrine of predestination understand properly. If we understand it properly results in joy. Page 74, Doug Wilson said, a man who has been saved from death will not be made gloomy by realizing how great the danger was. If a man is saved from falling over a cliff, we will not make him cantankerous by informing him that, a, that the cliff was a thousand feet high. His relief and joy and gladness would be all the greater. If he were to fly into a rage over it, we would have grounds for assuming he did not really understand the good news. <laughs> End quote, yeah. uh, which I think is is great. Um, it's like, do, do you? Wow, man, Doctor Predestination. Well, that's that's a horrible thought. You're telling me that God chose people for the foundations of the earth, not on their own merit. He didn't look through the corridors of time and decide that some people were going to follow him and other people weren't, and so he picked the ones that would. You're telling me that we did nothing, merited it, not in the least, and would have nothing. Uh, if God didn't preordain us, well, then that's horrible because now you're saying other people end up in hell and God preordained that to happen and all of this stuff. Uh, do you understand what you've been saved from? Because I don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me you don't understand total depravity. If you think you get to ask that question, does the does the clay say to the potter, why have you made me like this? I don't think you understand exactly what your status was and is before god if you feel you can actually legitimately ask that question mm -hmm. page 75 doug wilson goes on and says when the work of god is good and deep then those who are redeemed from their depravity are happy to sing and talk about it when they really understand that god foreordained their wonderful salvation before the foundations of the world they break into another song end quote uh page 73 he went on and uh, said, it is easy for modern Christians to think of Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, uh, Zwingli, sorry, standing over a cauldron at the beginning of some reformational Macbeth, coming up with the doctrines of predestination and depravity. The lightning flashes, the murky brew belches a loathsome smell, and one can readily tell by the pricking of his thumbs <laughs> that it is time to find another church. <laughs> but rightly understood, 
to use Tyndale's phrase, the doctrine is really the soft reign of grace after the thunder of the law, end quote. Yeah, Doug Wilson definitely wrote this chapter. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty hilarious. Um, page 76, the book went on and said, we have many Christians who embrace the truth about predestination simply because it makes other people mad. And it provides them with the opportunity to move on to other issues which make other people mad. <laughs> they insist, for example, that we now have a bounden duty to sing the Psalms. We must sing the Psalms. Gotta sing Psalms. You're in sin if you don't sing the Psalms. In attitude, this is the antithesis of joy. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing Psalms. James 5.13. Uh, and um, if you've ever listened to Doug Wilson talking on this topic, he talks a lot about uh, starting a new church, um, especially starting a new church in the CREC denomination, um, how to plant a church, how to uh, take people who are dispensational Baptists and bring them into the SP or to the uh, CREC and help them grow in their um, in their theology, help them understand the Bible more correctly. And when he talks about that, he always he uses the phrase "it it should be a get to, not a got to." <laughs> and mm. so what he, what he means by that is you should say, "Oh, we get to sing the Psalms." Instead of, oh, we've got to sing the Psalms, we have to, you know, it should be a, yay, we get to sing the Psalms today. You know, like Sunday morning, you should wake up and uh, your head leaves the pillow and your first thought should be, I get to go to church and sing Psalms today. This is, I can't wait. This is going to be so exciting. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be, oh, great. I got to go to church and I got to sing the Psalms because that's what we have to do. That's our bounden duty to do this. No, it's not a begrudging thing that you're dragged to do. This is a joyful thing. Um, that we do Sunday morning, we get to sing the Psalms. Um, and that's how we should think about it. So if your church isn't at the point where they are excited about that, then maybe you have some more discussions around that and they need to understand the doctrines sung in the Psalms. They need to understand why it's so exciting before you start trying to implement it because they're going to just resent it <laughs> if they don't understand why we're doing it. <clears throat> so I'll wrap up with a quote. Because uh, we're at time, but I think this is a really good way to, to end this episode. Page 75, Doug Wilson said, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. And he's quoting Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7. A man who stands in his justification is a man who has been enabled to really enjoy the bread on his table and the wine in his glass. But a man who is left to his own devices is a man who can eat and drink, yet cannot taste mm. end quote so again there's so much more in this chapter highly encourage you to check that out if you don't have a copy of this book already go to canonpress.com and grab your copy of angels in the architecture um next week we'll be going through chapter seven so get your copy before next wednesday and um check that out start reading chapter seven we're excited to break that down with you and with that we are going to wrap up for today. So Jake's episode is coming in hot on Friday. You don't want to miss that. Um, Jake, please don't miss like it. 20 seconds. Yeah, please don't miss that. <laughs> please don't miss it. Um, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. I'm, I'm excited to basically just let Jake do all the talking the way he did when I talked about the theology of technology. This is Jake's time to shine. So looking yep. forward to yep. that episode coming up on Friday. And again, thank you everyone so much for watching or listening. And we'll see you then. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, 
do it as unto the Lord.